Universal Solvent. Hi, thanks for tuning in to the UTPB Communication Podcast. I'm your host, Caden Hayes, and I hope to bring more insight to the world of communication. Joining me today is Mariana Barroso, and I'll let her introduce herself more thoroughly. I'm Mariana Veloso. Um, I went to UTPB for four years. I graduated May 2019 with a um, bachelor's degree in communication and a minor in multicultural studies. Um, I was also the um, first comm club president, um, and I just loved being a comm major. Um, yeah, my pleasure being here. <laughs> <laughs> for those who don't know, uh, we actually live together here in the great state of Pennsylvania. It's been quite the change from the Texas scenery, but uh, I mean, I like it so far. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I like the nature and um, the springtime is very like beautiful and um, people are nice and it's close to like bigger cities for sure. But it also, you know, there's pros and cons with everything. Yeah. So yeah. We definitely miss our family. Yeah, definitely friends. miss our family, friends. Our the heat yeah and just and UTPB too like oh, of course professors and stuff yeah I mean due to all this coronavirus uh like nobody's on campus right now so yeah um I guess it's no different being here so I'm sure everybody <laughs> misses everyone yeah <laughs> yeah but um yeah you said that you and uh and a friend had started up the communication club uh so how did that all come about uh, so my friend, Ira Cirillo, um, also communication major, she actually double majored in communication and kinesiology. Um, she had, she's an ideas man. She's an ideas person, ideas woman. And she had, um, the idea to start a club, um, before we were really friends. And then she came to me with the idea, um, I think one day in like, Com theories or some class we had sure. together in junior in our junior year and um i was like yeah that's cool and we we are really like go-getters <laughs> you know like I, i'm the kind of person that once i have an idea i kind of like make it happen a lot of times um and i was again like a, a force to reckon with so um so yeah we just did it we we created a club with the idea of like you know talking about how communication is applicable in everything um and also a place where comm students could come together and like get to know each other and talk and create connections because that's really important in today's world you know the people you know will help you um further on in your career and things like that so um and then it just became like this family that we're really proud of. And uh, we did some cool things, some cool events. And yeah, made made some lasting friendships for sure. Hey, it's great. You know, communication is based all on connections. And, you know, uh, it's great to make those connections definitely in college when you're younger. So mm -hmm. um, you at least connected someone. Uh, like when I came from my small town of Robert Lee, I didn't have the only friend I had in college. Luckily, was my best friend from high school, but uh, it wasn't until uh, I got into orientation and stuff like that where I started spreading my communication 
and my connections. And Mm -hmm. that's when I started to really enjoy my college experience is when I started actually communicating to other people. And yeah, yeah. well, the club, we really made it about making connections, meeting people, talking to people, discussing things. Um, I know our um, advisor, Kevin Thompson, he um, had a background in uh, debate. So, you know, he kind of came from that side and we did like a political event day and um, he also worked in nonprofit. So he taught us a lot about, you know, fundraising and things like that. So um, it was it was a, a lot of learning, but it was really fun. And it was with people that I, you know, really liked and grew to love. And um, yeah, we we um, we had some people on our in our club that were like science majors and they were like. This is like the way cooler than yeah. the biology club or something. No, no, hate on the biology club. I know they got cool stuff going on too. Um, but yeah, we're just you know all about socialization, but still applying that to our uh, careers. Yeah, for sure. Was it hard getting the club started up in the beginning, or did you have like a cast of people that you recruited on to be uh, the chair? Yeah, so when we started, or when we had the idea, we were juniors in college, and um, we were just floating around the idea in our classes, and at this point, like, when you're a junior in college, you basically know how things work at that point, you know, and um, we... we uh, we're definitely like older than most of the people in our classes. So yeah, we, we kind of floated the idea around and people seemed to like it. And then that summer we wrote up a, um, or I, Ira wrote up mostly um, uh, a constitution and we just gave that to Kevin. And it, it's really, it's not too hard of a process. But then um, once you, once we did have the club, it was like, we just had to find officers and people that were willing to devote time to it which is hard, you know, in college, everyone's busy, everyone goes to class all day. And a lot of people work um, and have their own social lives that they're still trying to keep up. So um, I guess that was a challenge. But once you make it a good atmosphere for people to be in, then I think it, um, it really helps and and makes it um, easier for people to want to devote time to to a club. So that was my goal. As a president, I kind of took a lot of the uh, heavy lifting things out of people's shoulders just so everyone else could like, you know, be more pushed to to want to uh, come with us and and have a come uh come as they are. It was our slogan. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, I forgot what your question was. <laughs> no, you're fine. Um so like moving on, like I know during your last semester, I believe you had studied abroad. Mm-hmm. If if I'm right, uh, tell me a little bit about that and how like uh, uh, being a communication major played a big role. Sure. Um, so I interned abroad in Rome. Um, I interned for a magazine, um, a tourist magazine. Um, I guess how communication played a role. I mean. Um, any media-related job relates to um, to communication. I mean, it's all communication, whether you're talking to people, interviewing people, talking about their stories, um, or, um, you know, in the magazine world, talking about an event or, or a play or an exhibition or, or an attraction or whatever, you know, you communicate. And um, then as the third person, you know, as the journalist or the the 
person representing the media company, um, you give your perspective on, on that. So, um, and, and also there was the learning curve of, uh, you know, not speaking Italian. Um, I was taking language classes while I was there. So that did help me um, in my everyday. But um, when it came to work, I really <clears throat> I wasn't conversing with too many people. Um, I was more of like a backseat um, view of things, had a backseat view of things. And what I mostly did was um, their social media. So I got to communicate through visuals <laughs> instead of through language. Yeah. Um, although the magazine was written in English, so I didn't have to write in Italian. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did mostly their social media. I did a lot of videos and photos. And um, I mean, the whole concept of it is to give a visual representation of this beautiful city in a way that entices people to want to come and want to have this experience. So um, in the Instagram world, that involved a lot of filters and um, good angles. And I really had to work my um, photographer muscle. Um, Not that I'm a great photographer, but I I definitely tried a lot. It definitely gave you some good experience. Yeah. And um, and then video wise, I had um, worked for a TV station um, in Midland, uh, Mm -hmm. KOS News by Sign. Nice. Um, so I had some video editing experience. So I used videos to communicate things um, like, you know, different programs that the magazine offered, like come learn how to make gelato and um, wow. and things like, um, oh, we have our 100th edition. It, w- it was really interesting because I've worked in newspaper um, and television news, but mag- the magazine world was much more advertisement and much more, um, you know, like selling. You know, it felt more like selling. Yeah. Um, but communicating that sense of like, what image are you trying to portray? Of course. So that's how that's how I use communication. Um, so yeah. <laughs> All right. So you know we've been talking about communication, of course, on the communication podcast. So I guess a really base question for you: uh, What is communication to you? To me, um, communication. I mean, in a very simple way, it's um, sending and receiving messages. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be verbal messages, visual messages. Um, you know, there's a million ways to send a message. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, as humans, we add um, emotion and we add tone and we add volume and body we language. Add body, yeah, yeah. Um, what Not- it, Nonverbal, nonverbal yeah. communication. We add, we add so much more that gives value to our communication. So, so um, as a as a journalist, I pick, I try to pick up on those things and try to um, understand things more fully. Um, and that's what communication would mean to me. Not only understand more fully when I'm speaking to someone, but also when I'm trying to convey something to people as well. So, um, you said you were a journalist. Yeah, you moved. Uh, here to Pennsylvania to actually uh, write for a newspaper, online newspaper uh, called the Evening Sun. Yeah, we also we also print. Okay, three yeah. days a week. Good, great. Um, so you were explaining a little bit how communication was used throughout your job. Is mm-hmm. there any other instances where uh, maybe what you've learned in college or just uh, simply just um, the field of communication, how it applies to your job? 
Yeah. I mean, my whole, my whole job is communication. Um, you know, I communicate with people who I speak to, I ask questions and they, um, you know, answer them. That is a form of communication. And I pay attention on those details that I mentioned earlier. Um, I also use communication to write emails to people. And, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I'll write something and then I'll go back and reread it like five more times before I send it because I want to make sure (laughs) that I'm conveying the right message, um, even in an email. And uh, I use communication just to come up with ideas. I'm, I'm, Unlike Ira Cirillo, um, I'm not an ideas woman. Yeah. Um, and so I, I need to think through and talk through um, ideas that I do have in order to form something worth writing about. So, you know, I use communication in that. And then, you know, in writing, that's all communication. It's all me um, trying <laughs> trying for three days to um, say something as right as possible. And and it's a really big responsibility to be a journalist because I think in today's world, um, there's a lot of people that are very skeptical of journalism um, for, for various reasons. And um, people will talk to you and then they'll be like, wait, can I see what you write before you write it? Because you're essentially portraying them, you know, by citing them, you are um, yeah, maybe representing some representing them and maybe affecting their reputation. Um, And I think that's how people see it. And so there's a lot of pressure to make sure that you are conveying this person in the, in the, in the best light. Yeah. Well, not necessarily in the most true. true, Yes. Because um, some people are just not good people. I guess I I haven't really had to write about any bad people um, yet. So that's good. You just try to remain non-biased. Yeah. I I think, yeah, I think that's um, a fear that people have is that a journalist won't be ethical and be um, the third party and, and insert themselves and insert their opinions. Mm -hmm. Um, That is not something that I do. Um, you just tell it out how it is. I mean, I tell it as as I see it, and um, and as as they tell me it is as well. And um, uh, yeah, I I became a journalist because I want to talk to people about their th- their feelings and their opinions and their perspectives, not necessarily trying to give mine. So gotcha. <laughs> so yeah, I use communication in in everything, even convincing people to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, I know, like. Uh getting people to get out of their comfort zone maybe a little bit or just open up to you um like we learned uh in uh comp theory people are like onions uh i mean watch watch shrek people have layers okay it's hard to get to them the people always have that defense up but i think communication is a good way of um breaking it down and you know as a journalist Mm -hmm. i'm i'm sure you have to ask uh, the right questions mm. and maybe some sort of sequence, maybe not getting into the hardest hitting questions mm-hmm. right off, you know, kind of lead them into it. <laughs> um, and I know you asked um, how I'm applying like college communication into my career. I yeah. mean, in all aspects I am. But one thing that I thought of recently is, you know, with all this coronavirus stuff, I'm not really going out and meeting people and talk, sitting down with them in coffee shops and talking to them. Um, I'm instead calling people or um, I haven't done any video calls yet, but I guess that's something I could do. Um, but it's also breaking that barrier barrier of, tri- of uh, digital communication and 
um, still conveying a sense of you can trust me with what you think and you mm-hmm. can trust me with your your experience um, when you can't smile at them and, and you know, give the sense of yeah. warmth um, with your nonverbal communication. So, so um, kind of like in the communication world from uh, what I've just learned throughout classes, uh, that nonverbal is you know, a big piece of communication, what would you say, like, the percentage is uh, nonverbal to verbal? For me? Yeah, just like in your opinion. I'm pretty sure that, like, isn't it, like, 70% nonverbal and only 30% verbal? Something like that, or maybe that's hearing, I don't know. Uh, But it's a a lot. I mean, that's why I use emojis when I text, because I feel like there's so much context when people do use emojis when people versus when people don't and i always feel like people think it's a little childish to use emojis but i am so like dead set on like i need to convey what i mean like to the t you know and every with every tool that i have i need to say this the most appropriately even when it's something just like you know i'll see you later you know yeah um, so I think nonverbals are, are critical and I'm, I'm glad course. emojis were created. Yeah. <laughs> and especially like, um, so, it, and this is kind of like a weird kind of part for me in communication. I, I like seeing like well-structured sentences and eloquent, uh, wording of phrases when it usually comes to like emails or, uh, group messages or like magazines, just uh, other forms of like digital um, communication. But when it comes to texting, I honestly like getting down to the point. I don't like it being super formal. When I see a period at the end of a uh, end of a sentence, I I assume that they're like upset or it comes off a little more abrasive. But like you said, with just emojis, maybe ending off a sentence with an emoji, it kind of lightens the situation a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's, you know... It, I think it clarifies, especially when people try to be sarcastic in a text message. It never works out. Yeah, you can't... Unless you, you can, use emojis, maybe it'll work out. <laughs> yeah, you can't really detect sarcasm unless it's, like, blatantly, like, if you put in, like, parentheses or... I'm being sarcastic. It's like, hey, I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> or you just got to know the person... Like if I was talking even to, then. yeah, even then it's, it, it's hard. So like nonverbals are definitely, uh, something that I, I like to convey, uh, when I'm talking to people, I talk with my hands a lot. Do you ever, do you ever do that when you're like I was, presenting? I was taught not to, but I know that like, if I am distracted, then mm-hmm. I, I will, um, I always have like a pen or something in my hand that may, kind of gives some weight and reminds me to not like flail oh, my arms around too much. Is that an actual like trick for like not uh, speaking with your hands so much? Yeah, I mean, it works for me when I do interviews, um, you know, when I'm sitting down and like, mm-hmm. especially when I'm interviewing someone that I'm recording the interview, I still will always write down and take notes because not only does it help me like not get too expressive with my arms, but it also helps me um, stay focused and on what I'm doing because I'm sure like many people, my mind wanders a lot. So when I'm writing it down while they're talking, it'll 
not only do I get to like write down questions that I think of and, and you know, mark things that I want to come back to and ask more questions about, but it also just reminds me to like stay engaged in the action that I'm doing right there and right then and there. Of course, of course. So um, with like art and science major, um, like communication, like me and you, uh, we always have to take a minor. My, for instance, my minor uh, was management. Um, can you explain a little bit about your minor? Sure. Um, I my minor was in multicultural, sorry, um, multicultural studies, mm-hmm. and um, I did that because I love cultures. I've always been very interested in cultures. I um, was born in Brazil and moved to the U.S. when I was. And so I've always had um, this dichotomy of cultures in my in my life. Um, You know, at home, I was, you know, I lived in a Brazilian household and learned things about Brazil and life in Brazil. My parents from Brazil. Um, And then at school, I had to be like American and and speak English. Can you actually explain like a little bit of like the differences between um, maybe like Brazilian uh, communication versus like American communication. Sure. Um, yeah. So like it, in that, um, okay, I guess if I were, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Um, communi- like, uh, to give it a little more, um, I guess to give you a little more, uh, context, context, get the ball rolling. Um, for, if my memory serves right, America is a very, high context culture would you say that um uh being from brazil like people come from relatively low context meaning like they're more family oriented and uh, less likely to um it's uh, actually the opposite is that the uh, yeah it's actually that um like latin cultures are more high context Mm -hmm. because um they are more implicit in their communication versus low context um, cultures like the U.S., mm-hmm. Norway, Sweden, uh, Northern European um, countries. They're more explicit in their communication. They're also more individualistic cultures versus the like Latin or um, I, I I say Latin as in like South America, Central America, Mexico. Even, yeah, even yeah. Um, like Southern European countries like Italy and Spain, um, they're more collectivistic in, mm-hmm. in their nature. So, yeah, I guess when you um, consider it in that context, um, yeah, so the communication would change because uh, in in theory, right, in the world of theory, an American um, is more concerned with the individual than the collective group, Um so that would affect how they communicate and their what their priorities are, um, and also in theory, a, a Latin or a um, you know non yeah. <laughs> American yeah person would uh, be more concerned with the collective and and make their decisions based on the collective. Uh, but then again, this is all theory, and this is not like a definitive like. Every person that's American communicates like this and every person that's not, you know, like that is Latin, for example, it communicates like this. Um, There are definitely crosses. And I think my family is pretty individualistic. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, and I think um, for Americans, I think Southern 
Southerners, people from like the South. Yeah. What we call the South. Like, I mean, Texas would be considered the South. Of course. Um, I think people from the South are more collectivistic and more like family oriented yeah. and things like that. So, um, so yeah, I guess the, those would be some ways that Brazilians, I guess, communicate different from Americans. And um, I, I did see that in school. Um, I was always the like affectionate kid like yeah. overly affectionate kid that was like you know like let's hang out and hold hands and blah 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 and then as i got older i i knew that my friends kind of pushed that away and were like oh that's weird or you know and that's not to say every american would like push that away um it's just more of like culturally my family is just so like you know, we're so uh, huggy, I guess. Would, you know? Yeah, touchy-feely. <laughs> I guess. <yeah. laughs> I mean, my family's um, pretty much like the same as yours yeah. in a way. Like I grew up um, in a really small town. Uh, it was very family-oriented, but there was a lot of uh, kind of just people didn't really want to touch each other. Mm-hmm. And For instance, you know, like when I was in high school, I like starting even from like a being a freshman, like it's supposed to be really daunting. And like I, I've heard a lot like, oh, just keep a low profile. The seniors, you know, they're going to like, you know, try to take take advantage of like being naive and mm-hmm. just like, you know, it can lead to bullying. But I, I don't know. I got along with um, a lot of my upperclassmen just by you know messing around with them giving them hugs like mm-hmm. doing the opposite of what uh stereo- what yeah what a stereotypical uh freshman would be like i mean it was a, such a small school i mean everyone knew everyone from like kindergarten but still i mean high school it just brings on this whole different ego on people <laughs> yeah your mom always talks about how um affectionate you were <laughs> and how it was annoying when you were a child yeah, I I guess. Okay. I uh as a child, I was moderately affectionate to my uh of my recollection. I don't remember being super touchy-feely, but I definitely developed that trait going into high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love my friends. They they they're my they're my friends. I I just got to I just got to touch them, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. So kind of just um bringing this back in and um, kind of finalizing on this podcast. We don't want it to get too long, but uh, so kind of just a simple question. Uh, I mean, we both went to UTBB, uh, pretty much had the same professors throughout. Um, what was your, what, let me, let me rephrase. What is the class that you took the most from like took away the most from um i would i would have to say it was uh dr rachel harlow's um and you're pretty close to her yeah yeah yeah. we we developed a a close relationship and yeah i i really like um dr rachel harlow harlow (laughs) um but yeah it was her class it was uh theories of calm um and the communication theories of communication and the reason that i liked that class so much is because um it's a senior level class and i believe i took it my junior year and the whole point of it is to kind of 
other than the senior seminar, um, it's the point of it is kind of to round out all these theories and all this knowledge that you've gained throughout your college experience and apply them to the real world. And the unique and special thing about communication, unlike, let's say, chemistry or, you know, and maybe engineering, um, is that you can apply those things to like your right now. Like to everything. Yeah, you can think of an example of how a theory can be used in the real world because it's already happened to you or maybe it hasn't, but most of them have. Um, And so I loved that class. I read the whole book for that class, (laughs) which is like a big pat on the back because in college you don't read (laughs) even when you're supposed to. (laughs) Yeah, college, you you buy the most books, but you end up reading like 30% of it, (laughs) maybe. Um, But I've read that whole book. I loved that book. It was the the book itself was told in a very like story manner. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it was relating these theories into like very real life situations is so applicable to real life and I just it was like the cherry on top of my college cake um, (laughs) in like really rounding out everything and making everything make sense and like this is why I did like uh, methods and um, you know intro and all this like all these other classes Um, I I really really enjoyed that class and I I still like apply it to things. I still like whip out a, a theory here and there. Yeah. Um, and I still actually have the notebook that I had from that class. Um, See, I started doing all my notes like uh, on my computer. So hopefully if nothing happens to my computer, if I have backups, I'll always have, you know, those 40 plus pages yeah. of notes that I ended up taking. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said earlier, I'm very much like a pen person like I have Mm -hmm. to write things down especially when I'm doing things because it helps me stay engaged um and so yeah I wrote I wrote on notebooks I didn't carry around a laptop Mm -hmm. hardly ever (laughs) well all right um did you ever uh do you have a favorite theory from that class um favorite theory um I know I put you kind of on the spot here (laughs) I let me think of the name of it um Cognitive dissonance theory. Dissonant, yeah. Yeah, cognitive, cognitive yeah. dissonance. It's also a um, a psychology theory, and it's actually what I did my paper on my for that class, my uh, final paper. Um, cognitive dissonance is the the uh, concept that you know your brain is is juggling. Uh, decisions every minute you mm-hmm. know you decide to get out of bed you decide to eat food like and it's the um dissonance that comes with all those decisions um and being a, a person that um deals with anxiety pretty pretty regularly um i found it very relatable to my life i was like oh finally a word for what i feel <laughs> every day um and so i really like that i also uh, like uh, uncertainty reduction theory, which kind of goes with co- cognitive dissonance. You know, the the more uncertainty you can take out of a situation, the, the less dissonance you have. Um, and that's another thing that like a person with anxiety um, is always trying to find, uh, you know, less uncertainty, but uncertainty is always going to be there. <laughs> of course, of course. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> um, so... We're just going to close out this podcast and I'm just going to ask you, um, why should someone get into the field of communication for all the people, all the students, uh, who are freshmen about to be, uh, 
kind of getting into their major because uh, you have to have your you have to know your major by at least sophomore year. Um, why should they choose communication? Uh, especially for people who don't know what they want to do um, and but still want to get a college degree. Communication opens up many avenues for you. Um, granted, like being a, um, a communication major and if you look for communication jobs, those can be narrow. But when you're in communication, you are supposed to learn how to kind of talk yourself into a lot of things mm -hmm. and it allows for a lot of flexibility. I mean, I'm a journalist um, that majored in communication, but my, uh, you know, former peers are doing public relations, nonprofit work, um, small businesses, uh, you know, construction, like there's so many things that you can do with it. So, um, and it's also just applicable everywhere. A doctor needs to know how to communicate. Um, an engineer needs to know how to communicate. You know, um, what else? An artist yeah, communicates. Any any field that you're going to go in is going to involve communication. So even if you don't want to major in it, I would consider uh, minoring in it if you could. Because um, it's it's literally in every part of your life. Universally applicable yeah universally applicable yes um and it's in every relationship that you have of course. So, so yes i that's my pitch <laughs> all right well um do you have any final words uh any shout outs anyone uh i think i've name dropped ira cirillo and dr rachel harlow um so yeah those were my name drops but literally anyone that i that i knew um from everyone in comm club and just the comm department and thank you <laughs> for letting me be your first guest well of course uh thank you for uh helping me out with the podcast it's always great to get uh, uh other uh viewpoints on the field of communication because there there's simply you can't you can't boil down communication just uh to one phrase one viewpoint like everyone sees the world differently uh so that's why um I, I, lo I would love to have guests on uh, every episode of this. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I thank you for uh, coming on the show. Um, so as, uh, as, we, as I wrap this up, uh, I want to just shout out the uh, communication faculty. Um, thank you for uh, allowing this internship to come into fruition. I, I'm planning on making a lot more content here very, very soon. Uh, you'll see a lot more in the social media, not just on Facebook. Uh, you'll be seeing us on Instagram, Twitter. Now we have the podcast. Uh, if you want to follow us, we are University of Texas Permian Basin uh, Communication Program on Facebook. Thanks for listening. <laughs>